and it comes from several different directions, you start to take notice. <laughs> and to be honest with you, if you didn't know, I project managed this building and towards the end I felt myself getting very, very tired and very, very snappy and very, very not nice to live with, was I? Because it consumed me. The last few weeks consumed me. And some of you got the, the brunt of my tongue. Um, and I wasn't... You know when God deals with you and he says, I want you to deal with that. And so I've had to really examine myself and really go back to, to scripture and find out and realign myself with what God says I should be as a person. Not as <laughs> I was turning out to be. Um, hopefully I've moved on from that at the moment. But these things of what has been brought this morning about the paintbrush, probably, if I'm really honest, was me. I was doing something, I've been contaminated with tiredness, let sin come in, let, you know, all things that slip. And so it was tainting what I was doing. Tainting was whom I was being with. Um, I liked your picture there, love, where you said, um, yeah, you know, you can't contaminate it with green and then God washes the blue out. You know, that was, that was probably where I was. I was. I was in a place where I knew... I had to sit down with God because I wasn't giving off what was expected to me, one as a leader, two as a person. And I apologise that, for that. So I had to sit down and ask God where I needed to start. And it was here. If you want to turn to 1 Corinthians 12, 31... And then we'll go into Corinthians 13, which is most commonly read at weddings. <laughs> Love is. And if I want to really set the scene, it's this. Let me start in 13 first. If I speak in tongues of men and of angels... But I have not love. I'm a resounding goal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but I have not love, I'm nothing. If I give all I have, all I possess to the poor, and surrender my body to the flames, even die for what I believe in, but I have not love. I haven't gained anything. And I suppose that's where I found myself. I found myself in a position where I was being consumed by other things and just didn't have the love that I know I have from my Heavenly Father, which I should portray. 
So in 1 Corinthians 12, 31, Paul says, Yeah, but eagerly desire the greater gifts, and now I will show you the most excellent way. And I had to sit down and apologise to God for where I'd found myself. It almost seems like a confessional, doesn't it? But it is, in a way. Because this is what God requires of all of us. He needs us to, <laughs> to be able to wash through our lives and keep our, our life in tandem with his. We had a, a prophetic word Obviously, the hive means, you know, if you're anything, bees live in a hive. I have a son-in-law and a daughter down in Hereford who, who collect honey. And they will tell you that wherever the bees collect the nectar from, will give you a taste, will put an essence into honey. So different hives will have a different taste in honey. Not like we buy in the shops you know, that is all poured together and mucked in and all that. This is pure honey. So if they go to an oilseed rape field and they come back, it will taste different to one if they've gone to an orchard. And I felt God say to me, I've given you the hive, people. What honey are you presenting? What honey, when people come in and taste, what do they see? What do they taste? Because that word that was given from Marcus was they will come in and they will taste something good. And I don't know, I'm going to be honest with you, I don't know when they saw me the first couple of weeks whether they would have tasted something good from me. I'll be really honest. I had to be honest with myself. I had to examine myself before God and say, look, I'm sorry, I have let the standard drop. So I had to go back to what love is. Now, I'm not a Greek scholar, but according to what I've been listening to, <laughs> there's either three or four, so I'm sticking with three. Is that all right? Is that all right, Rod? Yes? Yeah, so there's eros, where we get erotic love, filio love, brotherly love, and then there's agape love. Is that right, Rog? Or however you pronounce it. Thanks. Unconditional love. Self-denial love. Okay? Whoa. Where was I in those three? <laughs> well, I hope my wife loved me. Brotherly love or sisterly love was probably on the edge. You know, was I tolerant? Probably not. Did I get upset? Yes, I did. Was I in that self-denial place? No, I wasn't. It became about me at that point. This is what I've done. This is, I've done my best. I've done this. I've done that. It was, I've done. I've done. Well, you see, agape love is not like that. Agape love, which is what Jesus gave to us, through, or God gave to us through his son, he gave not knowing whether he was going to receive anything back. 
He came because he loved you and me so much that it was worth the risk to come and die on a cross just to give us the opportunity to love him back. He's not forced us to, but he's drawn us to. He's set the standard. There's one thing that, even through those bad times that I was going through, it didn't affect the way that God loved me. Even though I was making mistakes and I wasn't doing things quite right, he loved me with an unconditional love. He didn't say, because you've said that or you've upset that person or that person or that person, I don't know whether I upset three, but there you go, probably more. He didn't say, because you've done that, I'm withholding my love. I love you just the same, but I love you so much that I don't want to leave you there. I want to bring you in a better place. So like Rod was speaking about last week, if you, oh dear, sorry, if you wasn't here, he was talking about forgiveness, repentance. So I had to get down on my knees and ask God for forgiveness and repent of my wicked, wicked ways. Didn't seem very wicked and in some ways, you know, it's like when you paint a wall and you get that little streak of green or blue, you think, I'll let it dry and then I'll have another go without dealing with it, without washing the brush out. And then guess what? You have another go and you get four streaks of green. And if you go more and more, you get a... I'm going to say an emerald green wall. But you do. You get a, a wall that is not what it should be. So I had to really sit down and look at things. I had to look at John 13, 34, and it said... A new commandment I give to you. Love one another as I loved you. So you must love one another. By this, by this, all men will know you are my disciples. If you have love, one for another. It wasn't that I didn't love you. It's just I wasn't loving you with the right love. I wasn't communicating things with the right way. And again, I'm sorry for that. But how many of us find ourselves or find that easy to love each other in the way that Jesus did? If I ask for a show of hands, how many of you would you stick your hand up and say, oh yeah, I find it really easy to love Nigel the way Jesus loves him? You know, even my wife would probably only go three quarters of the way. But come on, we, we can't do it on our own. We have to have the Holy Spirit to lead us and to guide us and to help us. We have to die to self. And I found myself becoming a little bit too alive for what I wanted and not dying to self to how Jesus wanted. Because agape love doesn't always benefit me. It should always benefit the other person. That is, to me, that just blew my mind. The way I talk, the way I speak, should lift you up. It should encourage you. 
It should promote you. Sobering thoughts. Jesus, agape love, led him to die for me. He was mocked, scorned, laughed at, had nails through his hands and his feet, a crown crushed on his head, death on a rugged cross. Because his unconditional self-denial love for you and for me. I then had to go to the painful bit, which is in 1 Corinthians where it says love is. Now when I went through this I thought, hmm, love is patient. I wasn't that patient. Love is kind. I don't think I was unkind. It doesn't envy. It doesn't boast. It isn't proud. It's not rude. It's not self-seeking. It's not eagerly angered. And it doesn't keep any record of wrong. It doesn't delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. Love always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres, but it never, ever fails. Let it sink in. It never, ever fails. How do I know these things? How do I know that I did these things? So I have two people in church that look out for me and what I, what I say and what I do. And one of them kindly came to me and said, Nigel, the way you spoke to that person wasn't good. And I really appreciated that because I could then go to that person and apologise. What did I get out of it? I felt secure because there was somebody who was loving me and looking out for me. And I believe the relationship with the other person has grown stronger. We are not individuals. We are family. If you're visiting here this morning, welcome to our family. You're a part of it. Welcome. You're the family of God. And if you don't know him, then I urge you to get to know Jesus. He's the best thing. It sounds really, really old-fashioned to say it's the best thing. I don't know how else to put it. Changed my life for the good. I turned 67 this year, and it is the only thing in my life that I ever have stuck at. And it's not stuck at because God draws me on. He draws me deeper and deeper and deeper into him. Even when he pulls me up on things like this. We, as a family, have disagreements. 
We do in our house. There's only two of us. And I can argue with a dog as long as you like. My wife, she beats me every time. No, she doesn't. But we have to sit down and talk about it and work it out in love. Thinking the best of each other. And wanting to glorify God. Okay? I have a sense of feeling that as we have moved into the new building, there are lots of people who have, and I'm going to be honest, I would like to do this, I would like to do that, I would like to do the other. And we as a leadership team are very, very aware of what you would like. But we have to know what we're going to invest in. We have to know it. So it's not that we, if we send you an email to say, no, not yet, it's not that we're putting you down. It's not that we're micromanaging. It's that we're coming before God because we want to get it right. We want to put our resources into where he wants us to harvest. So I'm asking you to be patient, to show us love, To walk with us for a while. Trusting us. That we're not putting you down. We're trying to find out what God wants. And if we... (laughs) If we could hear God like that, we'd answer you like that. But we need time. We need your prayers. We need your love. We need your encouragement. I'm going to be honest... Some of where I've been, I've been put down so much that it hurts. It hurts. It hurts tremendously. I'm nowhere near where Jesus was. He was put down all the while. He hung on a cross. I'm not there. But sometimes I feel the hurt. That as a family, we should know better. As a family, we ought to start loving each other, encouraging each other, putting us forward, not always dragging us back. I know they're hard words. They're hard words. But at the end of the day, I'm your brother. You're my sister. You're my brothers. Like I read earlier, A new commandment I give to you. Love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this all men will know you're my disciples, if you love one another. I want us, I'm not just talking to you, I need us to examine our hearts. To let God wash through the paintbrush of our heart to see if there is anything that we need to come before him with. It's not whether it comes before me, it's before the one who we're accountable to. Because I'll tell you why I want that. When people walk through that door, I want them to taste the love of God. Pure love of God between us all. We may have our differences, 
but we're willing to put them to one side, to be one body. Sobering thoughts, people. We're not asking you to be clones. We're not asking you to, or I'm not. I'm going to talk on my own. I'm, I'm not asking you to do that. But what I am asking you to do is to love with the unconditional love of Jesus. It's not about me. It's about him. It's not about what I want. It's about his glory. Because there's a world out there that yes, we could heal everyone that comes in the room. But guess what it says? If we haven't love, it's nothing. It's nothing. Sobering words. Amen. Sobering words. I'm being as honest as I can. Because I know, just like a car, I have to have a service. We've got communion this morning. I'm going to ask two people to come and share something now. Heather's one, bless her, if you'd like to come, Heather. Um, have you got a mic there for her, or shall I just let her? Nigel, I hardly know what to say after that. (laughs) But I'm sure I can say on behalf of everyone, and I really oughtn't to be doing this because it ought to be James or Rob doing it, but thank you so much for being so honest and bearing your hearts. Thank you. Okay. Right. Um, Just think it's Rod. Get a bit closer. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Nigel has spoken about the present I'm going to speak about the past and take you back to a summer long long ago before I'm sure some of you were even born or you may have been very small it's a summer I'm not going to ever forget Um, it's always lodged somewhere in my brain. It was a fairly helter-skelter ride. Our daughter, our second child, was born at the end of June. And at the beginning of August, my mum died after a very long illness. And this period of five, six weeks was extremely stressful coping with a father who was quite distraught and a new baby. I want to say that God was amazing, that we read in Isaiah that when we go through the flames, we won't be consumed. And I can testify today, after all these years, that I was upheld by his victorious right hand. But there was a price to pay. And come October time, I realised that I was physically and emotionally completely worn out. And all I really wanted to do was go away to some warm beach, curl up um, and recover. 
but when you've got a baby and a two-year-old and a father who's totally disorientated and a husband who's leading a church, it's not that easy. The additional problem was that we were, in that October, had a big mission going on in churches in our area, which Rod and the two other leaders were quite involved in. One of the leaders, and I'm going to be quite honest, his name was David, he's now in heaven, came to me and asked me if I could do this, that and the other. I cannot remember all the details in preparation for the mission. And I just felt pressure, pressure, pressure on me. Looking back, I should have said no. I was probably too proud to say no. Looking back, he probably should have realized more that I wasn't in any fit state to do this. So I complied with what he wanted me to do. It wasn't the only time he'd pressurized me and Rod. The pressure continued for some time. And although I did what I was asked to do, anger and resentment and bitterness grew in my heart. When we moved from Leicestershire down to Essex a couple of years later, I remember I used to wake up each morning and think, I'm free of David. I'm free of David. I haven't got that pressure anymore. This is wonderful. But actually, was I free of David? I wasn't. Because every now and then, there would be a trigger. It could come from anywhere. And suddenly, all the anger, all the resentment, all the bitterness of the pressure that had been put on me just flared up again. It wasn't the whole time. I don't know if it affected anything I said to anybody. I've got no idea, but it was there. And occasionally we'd go back to Leicestershire, and if we saw David, it would all flare up again within me. Nobody else apart from Rod knew, and a saucepan that I'd banged down so violently (laughs) after one visit from him (laughs) that eventually went to the tip. Um, But it was there, and it didn't go away. And we must have been in Essex for about four years, and a guy called Harold Owen came to the church, and I think he preached about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, that we can't actually do anything, for it's just God giving it to us. And I suddenly realized, I can't get rid of these feelings. I, I tried. I tried to think, I must think nice thoughts, I must think positive thoughts, I must sort of somehow squash them. And I suddenly realized the only person that could remove them was God himself. I don't know what else the guy said in this meeting, but I knew, I just said, God, I want all these awful negative thoughts to go away. Please, please help me. That was in the February. By the time Easter came that year, I knew that a miracle had happened. I knew that those thoughts and bitternesses that had been plaguing me for so long had gone. During those six weeks, God's timing 
is amazing. During those six weeks, we knew that things were not well back in our, the church we'd been at in Leicestershire. And I cannot remember precisely all that happened, but there were numerous phone calls um, and numerous things that happened um, as David and another leader, Bill, turned to Rod for help. Nowadays, we don't have to do this. We've got apostles and people in RM who can sort things out. But that's what happened in those days. And as we got these phone calls and letters, I suddenly realised I wasn't going to take sides. I wasn't going to think badly of David because all that had gone. And after Easter, we visited... There was all sorts of conversations. I don't need to bother you with what all the trouble was. But in my dealings with David and our sitting with him and listening to him, all that resentment, all that hurt had just gone. And it is something I will never forget. But God had to do it. I couldn't do it. God himself had to do it. And I just thank him and praise him for what happened in those six weeks. The timing was immaculate. I could not have gone with Rod to listen to all this if that bitterness and hurt had still been there. Thank you for listening. Thank you. So it's true, isn't it, that we can't do it on our own. We need the Holy Spirit to... Help us. We do need the Holy Spirit to help us. Hold that fact. Julian. This is a very practical way of... um, Yeah. Isn't it? (laughs) You know, God's done it for Heather. He's done it for Nigel. He can do it for you. And and I was was cleaning the bathrooms the other day and... um, I got round to cleaning the sink and, and we've got a lovely shiny tap there. And I started to clean it. And one of the things I'd noticed was that over the years we've had a house and probably for a lot longer, uh, we're in quite a hard water area and limescale had built up around the, around the spout, around the, around the tap. And it had gr- it built up over many years and it become really heavily calcified to the point that I'd use every lotion and potion and spray on it and nothing had come off. Uh, and, and you couldn't really see the tap. Um, and it become hard and jaggedy, quite sharp to the touch. And it was affecting the flow of the, of the water. Um, so I did um, gently take a screwdriver to it. <laughs> and I gently chipped off the lime scale bit by bit and what I noticed was that there was a really shiny beautiful tap underneath and also after all those years the flow had improved and I I, I felt God you weigh this for yourself but I felt God encourage us or invite us Um, I felt he said that some people over the years have become hard and jaggedy Maybe you seem hard, maybe you seem hard, hard and jaggedy to other people. Maybe you feel hard and jaggedy, and other people feel 
maybe encased in that limescale, covered um, by that calcification, a bit suffocated. And I felt that God, the Holy Spirit, gently wanted to release you, me, us from that, chip away very gently and do two things. Um, One, to improve the flow, but also to reveal the beauty, which is you, which he's made you, underneath. So, I, I, I guess I want to invite you just to be open, not just, be open to the Holy Spirit. And it's up to Nigel how we do it, whether you're in worship or communion. Be open. I felt God wants to improve the flow and reveal your beauty, gently chipping away like only he can. Like you've heard him do it for Heather. You've heard him do it to Nigel. He can do it for you because he's a good, good father, isn't he? Amen. Thank you. I want to know, Rod, was it you who went to the tip or the saucepan? <laughs> I tell you what, I nearly had a, 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 a kitchen counter to repair. <laughs> 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 I, folks, it's just a little bit in-house this morning. But I, this man is good at honouring people. And I want to honour him this morning. Because he's... He's bared his heart, his soul to us. And I want us to pray for him. Could you stand? Would you mind doing that? You don't have to, but that would, that would be good. Lord, I want to thank you for Nigel. I want to thank you that You brought him and Cheryl to us and that, Lord, you've led him and now he's part of this threesome that's standing here at the front. And I bless you for him. Lord, we all make mistakes. We all get it wrong. But thank you that you're a God of infinite mercy, of unending love, Lord, you're a God who meets us where we are, who picks us up and sets us on our way again. I want to thank you, Lord, that you brought Nigel to to us and that he got into retirement just, (laughs) just when we needed him to be at the building. We've heard about immaculate timing. Lord, that timing has been immaculate. Thank you for all that he's done in overseeing, getting this building right. Thank you that he's put in hours and hours and hours we've not known about, but you have. And Lord, in your presence, we honor him. And we thank you for him. And we pray now that you will bless him thoroughly, deeply, richly, that he'll know your presence and your power, your peace, right now. So, Nigel, in Jesus' name, we bless you. Thank you. We bless you. Thank you. Amen. Thank you.
Probably I did. Sorry. <laughs> I apologise. <laughs> I got it wrong. <laughs> Communion is aligning ourselves with what Jesus did for you and for me. Gave it all up. Not for himself, but for you and me. This little book, if ever you want to be scared, read it. It's a little Fillmore commentary. And his thing on communion is, and he states this, bread, blood or poison. Sober, isn't it? So either we align ourselves to Jesus through his body and his blood and we do what, he, what Jesus asks us to do. Therefore, whoever eats the bread and drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. A man ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without recognising the body of the Lord eats and drinks judgment on themselves. Sobering. Sobering thoughts. That's why some of you are sick and some have even died. But, if we judged ourselves, we would not come under judgment. When we are judged by the Lord, we're being disciplined, which I've been. So we will not be condemned to the world. So then, my brothers and sisters, when you come to eat, Fillmore puts it like this, we look back and we thank God for what he's done. We look forward because we can encourage and proclaim what Jesus did. We look within to see if there's any streaks of paint that need to be washed out. Present, past. We need the Holy Spirit to come and that's what I'm going to ask to do before we have communion. That he will come and he will wash as we think. And I want us to be honest, I've, I've, I've never felt so much more than I do now. A car has a filter on it to get out all the muck. In diesel or in oil to stop messing up the engine. We have communion to come and examine ourselves before God and a chance to put things right with him and if necessary with each other which I will leave that entirely up to you to do if that's what God says but this morning I want us to just come before him and say God here I am as a paintbrush Holy Spirit 
come and wash through me. Show me where there's streaks of sin or things that I've let calcify in my life that have allowed other things to build upon that have stemmed the flow of you through my life. I want to come before you and I will come in such a way that when I leave this building I want to be able to flow more freely with you. I want to feel the freedom of being free from sin because of what you did on the cross. Your body broken for me. Your blood shed for me. Lord, I no longer want to be a clanging cymbal. But Father, I want to be somebody that tastes sweet because I have your love within my life. Come and search me, Lord. Search us right now. Search my heart. Search the corners, the dark corners that I've never been to for a long, long while. Probably it's too painful. Probably you feel nobody will ever understand that. People will reject me if I say something. That's not the love that we're talking about. As a young Christians, we were taught, well, there was a song going around and it used to be, if I'm open and honest and say what I feel, will you still love me? Because I can sit before Jesus and I can say what I feel and his love never changed. And that's how we should be with each other. You can say anything. But we need to respond with that same love that Jesus did. We heard, didn't we, last week, how Rod, that took him, I think it was 18 months, you said, Rod, wasn't it? To, to, to finally find a place of forgiveness. And yet, after that, relationship was restored. I don't know all of you. I don't know your past. I do believe that there are things that have happened in people's past that God has said you've buried that for long enough. Let's bring it out. So before we just go into communion, and after this, I'm, going to, I'm just going to say to you, I've said all I can say. I've been as honest as I can be. I believe I've put what God's love is across to you as best I can. Love never fails. It's patient, it's kind, it doesn't envy, it doesn't boast. It's not proud, it's not rude. It's not self-seeking, it's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrong. I believe that some of you here have held on to, to things that you felt you've been wronged by. 
And God is saying, let it go. Because the only person it's affecting is you. And if you hang on to that, guess what? Something else will come on and cling on to it. Something else will come on and cling to it. And before long, you'll find your life stuffed up. And you'll be in all sorts of bother. So really, in one way, it's a, it's a chance this morning to clean the pipes. Let the Holy Spirit flood through us. If you need prayer, I'm here to pray. Because I'll tell you, there's a God in heaven that is passionate about you. Passionate. So much so, he sent his son to die. That we can have life. Life? No. We can have abundant life. If you want that, then before you take communion, examine. Say within your heart, there's some things God showed me this morning. I'm going to find somebody to sort them out. Let's be the best that we can be. Oh, sorry. Hive, be, be, hive. Let's be the best that we can be. Sorry. Because I want people, when they come in, to know that when they come in, we love each other, we love God, and they taste it. And it does them good. Amen? Amen. Holy Spirit, we ask you to come. We ask you to speak to us. As we celebrate the fact that you overcome death, by sending your son and you give us life as we celebrate that we do our part in examining ourselves confessing before you any streaks of sin that we have Father that we may go from here full of you full of life and Father so when people bump into us they will see Jesus and not me folks let's celebrate what Jesus has done gluten free over there and over there and wherever it doesn't really matter I mean if you're not gluten free you still go gluten free but if you are gluten free then that's where they are but let's celebrate together what Jesus has done there's purpose in our hearts that we are going to follow him the best that we can keeping relationships clear and clean yeah and no backbiting and talking you know because we want to see, I mean, it's marvellous that we're nearly full. All right? But boy, have we got a job to do for Jesus. And I want to be the best for him. So come, let's celebrate. And if you need prayer, come and find me or find somebody that you love and trust. And we'll go from there. People, let's rejoice in what Jesus has done.